Welcome to the Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. And now here's your host, Don Smith. Hey, thank you, Brad Smith, for that great introduction. And thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in today for another Don Smith Show, where it's always okay to be a conservative. What, an, what a lineup we have for you here today. We have Mark Osgeist. If you have not seen the movie 13 Hours, you have to do that. Uh, the real story behind Benghazi, what happened, uh, Mark was one of five who survived that attack as uh, part of the annex security forces. So amazing guy. We spent last weekend with him and uh, just an incredible guy. So looking forward to having him on the program. Also, Mr. Bobby Henline. Uh, you remember the report, the Atlantic report, right, where they came out and um, made the statement that President Trump had said all these disparaging things about the uh, military and those who served and gave everything uh, during previous wars. Well, uh, Bobby Henline was the guy they were using his picture uh, kind of as a propaganda piece to, uh, you know, and he's not a guy who believes that that story is true. Uh, I think a lot of people don't believe it's true either. You always notice their stories are always these unnamed sources or people familiar with the thinking of, or anytime you hear a story like that, well, yeah, probably not true. So just saying. Also, my good friend, he is the editor of People's Pundit Daily.com, uh, Inside the Numbers host and good friend, Mr. Richard Barris, will also be here to talk about the economy and where are we at in this election process. Things are starting to heat up. Obviously, we're down there within the 60-day window now, and uh, it's going to only heat up from here. So hang on, everybody. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover here. Just a little bit of time to do it. You know, <sighs> Thank you all for coming back. Uh, we missed last week. We always hate missing a show, but uh, it was worth it last week. Last weekend, we had an amazing time, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. So, so much to cover. Three great interviews and just two hours to do it. And, folks, you know what time it is. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! And we are totally ready to rumble. Hope you are as well. So last weekend, uh, I had a great time. Went down to Naples, Florida, and had a huge boat parade. So we started the day out on Saturday with a huge boat parade, thousand boats, uh, everybody converging into one point, and then we went to a private island owned by Alfie Oaks. Incredible guy, uh, Oaks Farms, also seed to table restaurant and grocery store. Just really super cool people. The the enthusiasm. You're going to hear from the media that enthusiasm to reelect President Donald Trump is is down. Right? It was really big in 2016, but now not so much. I can personally guarantee you that there's plenty of enthusiasm out there. So everybody with uh, Trump flags and American flags and um, just an amazing event put on by some really great people. And uh, just what an incredible time we had. Uh, Mark Osgeist was there, uh, Charlie Daniels Jr. And just, uh, just so many patriots from that part of the country. So don't tell me that Florida is a toss up because yeah, I don't think so. I think there's plenty of enthusiasm. I uh, didn't see a lot of Biden signs down there, I can tell you that much. And one thing we didn't have to worry about, 3,000 people on the island when we got there, one thing we did not have to worry about was Antifa showing up. So that was kind of a cool thing, too. I think uh, even they're smart enough to know better than that. So great time last weekend. Um, again, we've got Mark Osgeist coming up in uh, incredible story. I mean, the, the whole Benghazi thing, we all we will never forget Benghazi, nor should we. And 
yeah, just uh, some really incredible times with some incredible people. Also, Bobby Henline, an amazing guy in his own right. He was uh, served four tours in Iraq. Uh, incredible story. So you'll hear that here in, in just a little bit. And again, Mr. Richard Barris, my good friend, will be back for all the latest on the economy and what's going on in the election. But it talked about the time we had last weekend. And uh, then we experienced what we experienced yesterday, which we do every year. It's been 19 years now. Uh, 9-11 obviously changed so many lives. But 9-12, I mean, let's talk about in general 9-12, the day after. You look at where we're at today with with the division and the, um, I mean, just the polarizing time that we're in right now. Go back to 2001, 9-12. The country has never in my lifetime been so united, and it was, it was a really cool thing to see. It didn't matter about ideologies. Uh, people weren't at that point yet bashing President Bush, um, which, of course, they went on to do. The media did everything in their power to rip this country back apart. You know, and here's why. People say, well, why would the media do that? It's the same reason you have people like Reverend Al Sharpton, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson. It's the same reason that you have those people out there. It, the worst thing that could ever happen to Sharpton or Jackson would be if racism really did go away, if there were zero instances of racism in this country, which of course is impossible, but it's how they make their money. People ask, they say, well, why, why isn't Joe Biden? Why isn't uh, Kamala Harris? Why aren't these people speaking out more? against the uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa-type things that are going on in this country. I can tell you why, and it's the same reason. It's money. These are fundraising events for their prospective groups. For in the case of Joe Biden, where do you think his money's coming from? Do you think the average moderate Democrat or even far-left Democrat, you think they're, they're writing checks, you think they're really reaching deep into their wallet to make sure that Joe Biden becomes president of the United States? The answer to that is no. All you have to do is go, and we've talked about this before in the program, and I'm sure you've heard it other places as well. If you go to Black Lives Matter website, blacklivesmatter.com, I'm not encouraging you to, I'm just saying if you do. If you go there, the first thing you're going to see is a big, huge button that says donate. If you click on that donate button, you are taken immediately to a place called Act Blue. Now, Act Blue is, this is the fundraising arm. These are the people that raise money for the Sharptons, the Jacksons, uh, uh, in this case, Joe Biden, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, any liberal candidate you can imagine. So you say, okay, well, you know, probably, yeah, okay, a few million bucks here, a few million bucks there. No, 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 no. This thing is absolutely enormous. So just in the 2020 cycle, you want to, let's throw some numbers out there. Just in 2020. And again, the point of this is if you're wondering why Joe Biden doesn't speak out more against what's happening in this country, the violence, the Portland stuff, the Chicago's, all, all across the country, major cities, why doesn't he speak out more? Because he can't. Because this is his fundraising arm, right? He doesn't have to go around and, and meet with the uh, Hollywood elite liberals. He doesn't have to do that stuff. This is his fundraising arm. This is, this is their plan to win the election. This is how they think they're going to win the election. It's the money that goes through these organizations. So, again, you go to blacklivesmatter.com, you click on the Donate button, and it takes you to Act Blue. 
So ActBlue, just in 2020, this is just 2020, $2 billion. $2 billion has flowed through ActBlue. Think about that. That is an enormous fundraising apparatus. So you say, okay, well, you know, how does it make it to the candidates? Well, here's how it makes it to the candidates. Just again in 2020, Biden for president, $195 million. $195 million. They had given previously, thinking maybe Bernie was going to win, to Bernie 2020, his official campaign uh, arm, $187 million. You know, Elizabeth Warren might have won too. So $94 million to Warren for president. Pete for America, who actually nobody thought could win, even he got $78.5 million. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, $65 million. Amy for America, Amy Klobuchar, $43 million. Democratic National Committee, $42.5 million. And Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, $40 million. Amy McGrath for Senate, a Senate race. Third, or four, I'm sorry, $40 million. And Friends of Andrew Yang, $31.7 million. So if you wonder again why Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete for America, the Democrats in general will not speak out against what's going on in this country, it's because they can't, right? It's called money. We're going to hear. Going forward, between now and the actual election, and then even post-election, especially if President Trump wins, when President Trump wins, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear things about dark money. Oh, there's all this dark money that nobody knows where it's coming from, and they won't talk. They're not talking about this. They're not talking about the two billion dollars funneled through ActBlue, which, by the way, is, is calls themselves and is registered as a 501c3 organization. All tax deductible, um, not supposed to be involved in politics, but I think it's kind of hard to say you're not involved in politics when you're doling out $2 billion. Just saying, just my views. But everybody just needs to understand this. This is why these, these riots, these protests, these, the looting, all this stuff that's going on, this is why this will not end. It literally has become the fundraising arm of the Democratic Party. So you're not going to hear people speaking. You're not going to hear what you're going to hear is exactly what you're hearing now, right? So whenever really bad things happen, whether it's a Black Lives Matter group, the Antifa group, which I, I don't know that there's really at this point any difference. But what you'll hear is, number one, you'll hear how conservatives reacted to it, right? So uh, they shoot and kill somebody. And you're going to, say, and you're going to hear things about how uh, Tucker Carlson said this. Sean Hannity said this. It's never about the actual act. It's about how we, as conservatives, react to it. Because then all they have to do, it's, it's called smoothing out the edges. You're taking the edge off it, right? Because now I don't really have to address the actual question or the actual incident or the actual act of violence. I only need to talk about how conservatives are crazy. It's, it, it was never put any better than the actual Speaker of the House who, who actually defines this. And just so you know that this just doesn't accidentally happen. It's not just something that they go, well, it's a, it's a strategy. It's exactly what they're all about. And it's actually, there's a name for it. Um, once in a while, the liberals actually will be honest 
and they will tell you exactly what's going on, right? They don't sugarcoat it. They actually tell you what's going on. It is called the wrap-up smear. Don't believe me? Here is Nancy Pelosi describing it. Self-fulfilling problem. You demonize, and then you, it, we call it the wrap-up smear. If you want to talk politics, you call it the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it. And then you write it, and they'll say, see, it's reported in the press that this, 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 and this. So they have that validation that the press reported the smear, and then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. And it's, it's a tactic. It's a tactic. Very proud of it. These people are very proud that they've developed something so incredibly deceitful that people fall for it. That's a tactic that they use over and over and over and over again. We've watched it. We've watched it since the election of Donald Trump. Every single day has been a new wrap-up smear. We feed you misinformation. You report on it. Notice the word she kept using. And, and we actually just covered that, and I'll tie that together in just a second. But notice the word she continued to use. We merchandise it. You know what that means? It, it means exactly what we just covered. It's called Act Blue. We merchandise it. We make money. We get people to give us money for this. So George Floyd, they merchandised the death of George Floyd. They merchandise every single one of these cases. Doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter if it's true. You heard her in her own words. You heard her admit. We feed you information. It's not true. But you report on it because we fed it to you. And then we can merchandise it. Because people believe it's true. Because they read it. Well, I read, or read it in the Associated Press. The Associated Press says it is. The Daily Beast said it is. CNN, MSNBC. Why do you think it's so important to the left that they control 95% of the media? That's why. Because who's going to dissent? And then that 95%, what they do is when something bad happens on their end, like I said... They report on what the 5% says about it, totally avoiding having to deal with the actual issue, like the Trump supporter who was shot and killed. They don't have to address that. They only have to address what Tucker said about it or what Sean Hannity said about it, right? Or Fox and Friends. Did you hear what Fox and Friends? That's all they have to do. It's very, very easy on their part. And who's going to contradict it? 5% of the media? Now, I think most of you listening, it certainly applies to me. I pay attention to what that 95% says just because I understand the tactic and I want to know exactly the angle they're using for it, right? But if I want news, I'm, uh, sometimes you have to dig. You got that 5% and that's your, like your pool, right, that you can draw stuff from. So I kind of bounce it off of the 95% stuff. But that's what they do. They minimize it. Why do you think they're number one enemy? I don't care who you're talking. I don't care if it's Maxine Waters, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. It was Barack Obama before. It's Joe Biden now. Why do you think they have a number one enemy that's called Fox News? Why do you think they constantly put everything in the context of Fox News? In the context, of course, is that they're not credible. It's not real news. Uh, Barack Obama hardly made it to a single speech in eight years without mentioning something about Fox News. It's, the reason is this, because Fox News is the biggest um, 
Not, I'll, just, I'll call them non-liberal. They're the biggest non-liberal. They're not part of the 95%. Um, they kind of seem to be edging a little that way, but that's another show. But they, are, they delegitimize it, right? So you're supposed to automatically, if you see something coming from Fox News, you're supposed to automatically dismiss it. It can't be true. Nothing on Fox News is true. This is, this is what they say over and over again. Uh, people start to believe it. So what they're really, who they're really talking to, of course, is the independents, which are so important, so vital to any election, uh, I think especially this time, because I think there's a lot more independents this time than there were last time. There's a lot of people who are going, I really don't like the direction that the Democrats would like to take us. I'm not a big socialism fan. Um, so there, I think there's a lot more fence-sitters this election, actually, than there were in 2016. 2016, there was, and you just had a... There was a disdain for Hillary Clinton, right? And uh, one of my guests here coming up later, Mark Osgeist, uh, can certainly um, relate to that. We all remember the comment that Hillary made at this point, what difference does it make, which was probably one of the most horrific comments any politician, any politician has ever made in the history of this country. Because it kind of does matter to like people who love America and people who support those who go and defend our freedoms kind of an important thing. But, but this is what they do. It's the wrap-up smear. Every single thing from Russia to, just name them. I mean, you can't even name them. There's four or five wrap-up smears a day done against our current sitting president, Donald J. Trump. We watch it, we hear it, we listen to it. Um, but again, once they do something, when they actually legitimately do something wrong, what they do is they cut down the source. They shoot the messenger. Well, Fox News, uh, it's Fox News, you know. That's what they do. Folks, so we're going to see it really ramp up uh, after the after his reelection. Where are they going to go? I mean, these people are absolutely insane at this point. So where do they go next? What are they going to do? I mean, the violence I think is going to really get scary. There was a thing yesterday at University of Central Florida. Um, I don't know if you know who uh, Caitlin Bennett is. Caitlin Bennett is the young lady who took a. A picture with an AR-10 long rifle. Uh, it was her graduation picture, right? So she, is, she was at Kent State. She took this picture, and just for doing that, just for being an advocate of the Second Amendment, this, her life, they, they've done everything they can to destroy this woman. So she shows up on campus, and it, it was unbelievable. If you haven't seen the videos, go, go check it out. Uh, after the show, go check out the videos and watch how they treated her. If you were watching on social media and you were and you were watching these students, these these were actual students who were either there, uh, couldn't be there at that time or whatever. Bullying is now not not only not only acceptable to these people, it is fully encouraged. There's some there's a cash app thing right where you can send people money instantly. There were people on there who were apologizing that they could not be here to, dis- to harass this woman. They couldn't be here for it. But anybody on their behalf who'd, who acts out against her will get money from them. Here, I'll give you some money. Here, please do something on my behalf. Now, again, don't know much about this young, young woman, um, but I'm pretty sure she has the right to be wherever she wants. So the big comments you saw, and this, I think this really encapsulates society today and what's coming up with this next generation, was that nobody wants her. There were so many proclamations that nobody wants her here. There were proclamations that she's not welcome here. There were proclamations that 
Everybody wants her to leave. So if you're one of these liberals, if you're one of these people who are involved in this conversation, I saw very few people stick up for, for Caitlin Bennett. Very few. Apparently, she has no rights as an American citizen. She is not allowed on the campus. And nobody does want her there. But those were the proclamations of these people, right, who were they, – they wanted people to be violent with her. This, is, this doesn't end well. When we get to the point where we are pro-bullying, um, that doesn't end well. That doesn't end well at all. But these are always the people that have told you your whole life that they're the tolerant ones. We're very tolerant. Do you, do you see anything that they tolerate that doesn't fit within their little, their little box, their little box of ideology, their little liberalism ideology. No. If you, are, you can't even be a little bit off the reservation anymore if you're a Democrat, right? You could never be a pro-life Democrat anymore. You can't be. You have to be 100% on board with every single thing they want. Which, of course, here's the problem. Those things, that list, it changes every day. So really difficult, I think, right now to be a hardcore liberal, um, really difficult to be able to be allowed to stay on the reservation. But they always told you that they were the tolerant ones. Remember, remember when they used to call themselves the Big Ten Party? Yeah, there's no big tent anymore, okay? There's no big tent. There's one small little tent, and you've got a whole bunch of people trying to crowd and stay under it. Right? They're all grabbing onto each other to make sure they stay on board because you can get canceled like that. That's liberalism. That's modern liberalism. So back to the point. They can never answer a question. They will never respond directly to any charge. Uh, they will never directly answer a single question because, like, they can't. Right? So this, this was Brett Bear sat down with a spokesperson for the Biden campaign earlier this week. I, I imagine most of you saw the Q&A session that they had with Joe Biden. Where they were literally, the questions were on the teleprompter, not just the answers, the questions. So you had Joe Biden, who was supposed to be spontaneously responding to a Democrat. You had Joe Biden get asked a question. And then he's, and, and he looks at his guy and he says, hey, move it up, move it up. On the teleprompter. He needed the answer off the teleprompter. You, you, you can, okay, you, you can hate President Trump. You can love him. You can whatever. Here's what I love most about President Trump. Ask him anything, and he will always give you an answer. The typical politician either needs it on a, well, this is, this is new. I, I can't even say the typical politician puts it on a teleprompter because it's, <laughs> that is actually, this is new, new ground we're breaking here. Joe Biden is. But, but they'll give you this, you know, this canned answer about, well, I'm going to put together a committee and I'm going to, we're going to research it and blah, 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 blah. They have no answer or they're afraid to take a stand, much for the same reason as we talked about with Act Blue and Black Lives Matter, money. But they won't take a stand because it might cost them money. It might cost them votes. It might. Donald Trump will answer any question you ask him. He won't divert and turn it about, well, so-and-so said this or so. He doesn't do that, Right. So, so here it is. So you got Brett Bear sitting down with a spokesperson and asks point blank. We all saw it. We, every, 
we saw it. If you saw that clip, you know exactly what was going on. There's no, there's no dispute. There's no, well, maybe he was reading it off a teleprompter. 100% he was reading it off a teleprompter. He even told the guy to move it up so he could actually read it. So here is the spokesperson answering that question or not. Does Joe Biden ever use the teleprompter during local interviews or to answer Q&A with supporters? Brett, we are not going to engage. This is, this is straight from the Trump campaign. Well, yeah, Trump they're campaign. using and, it. And what it, does, and what it does, Brett, is it's trying to distract the American people. I'm just mm. from, They're from, using from it. They the talk pandemic. about it every day. Can you what? say yes or no? That's because They talk about it every day, Brett, because they don't have a coherent strategy. Uh, well, you have strategy. an answer. Yes or no. Right. Brett, they talk about it every day because they don't have a coherent argument for why Donald Trump deserves re-election. They will never answer that question. You just heard right there. Well, blah, 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 blah. They talk about it every day because answer the question. But you'll notice that when President Trump gets asked a question or any conservative, it's a yes or no question. Watch these, these trial things these, that we've watched through, whether it was the Mueller investigation or all the multiple investigations that have taken place since President Trump was elected. You notice how the Democrats always preface it with a, no, this is a yes or no question. I don't have much time, so yes or <laughs> and you And you have to play along with that. You ask them a yes or no question, and that's what you get. You get 30 seconds of blah, 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 but it's, which is no different than build back better. What the hell does that mean? Nobody will ever ask him what the hell that means. Build back better than what? Right? You don't have to give specifics if, specifics if you're a liberal. You don't. You just blather on and you blame everybody else for, well, everything. That's what they do. It's exactly what they do. And we watch it play. It's, look at the, I don't know if you heard this, and I hate to play these clips because this guy's voice is so annoying. He is such an annoying person. And I'm talking about New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Do you remember, I, I don't know, maybe it was five months ago now, we played a clip and it was Governor Cuomo. And he was talking about how Trump blames everybody else for COVID. Uh, this, this was before they had, what, I don't know, like 36, 37,000 deaths in New York City alone. But, but this is before that. Or, well, I'm sorry, the state of New York, most of them in New York City. So Cuomo came out. And this was when he was the hero, right? He was the big hero and he was the knight in shining armor. Boy, this guy's really got this thing down pat. And the worst state in the country, not even close I don't care if you're talking deaths, you're talking cases, you're talking just sheer stupidity, sending infected patients back to the nursing homes and demanding the nursing homes. That wasn't Trump. That was all Andy, all 100, 1,000 percent. But Minner, five months ago, we played the clip where he comes out and he says, I don't go around blaming other people. The buck stops here. The buck stops on my desk. Well, since that date, five months ago, it's like Hillary Clinton's book, What Happened, right? Where every day there's a new, there's a new reason that she lost the election. It's not because she was a nasty, vile, horrible candidate. Um, nope, it was the Russians. It was a blah, blah. She's got like, the list is up to like 657 different reasons why she lost, right? So Andrew Cuomo, from that day, five months ago, there isn't a single thing. There's no buck stopping on his desk. Nothing has stopped with him. Every single thing is somebody else's fault. Well, here's what he had to say recently. Look, the best thing he did for New York City was leave. Good riddance. Let him go to Florida. Be careful not to get COVID. COVID ambushed 
New York, due to Trump's negligence, he is the cause of COVID in New York. So there you go. The buck stops with him. Not so much. Anyway, hey, I want to give a special shout out to my good friend, Dr. Cordy Williams, uh, 1776 Forever Free. You got to check those guys out. It's 1776foreverfree.com. Today starts their big tour, and I'm happy to work with those guys on it, putting together some uh, some great names to attend this. So they are in St. Louis, Missouri today. It's Freedom Tour USA. Great people involved. And obviously, Dr. Cordy himself. You got uh, country music singer Coffey Anderson, Kevin Jackson, Dr. Eric Neptune, uh, Dr. Rashid Buttar, uh, Stacy Washington, and Mark McCloskey is going to be there. Now he's the guy. You remember this from uh, Black Lives Matter protest on his property and who stood up for his property and defended his property. And, uh, of course, he's a lot of legal trouble there, but we also have an update on some of the protesters and the city actually taking some action on that. But this is a great event. Uh, After that, they go next week to Sacramento, California, the steps of the Capitol. Uh, Bobby Henlein, one of my guests today, will be a part of that. Also, Colorado Springs, September 26th. Fort Pierce, Florida, October 3rd, and Washington, D.C. for a march on October 17th. Uh, Go to 1776foreverfree.com, click on events, and you can find out who all the speakers are for all these great events. Uh, Amazing group. These guys are really making a difference, and um, this is the time to work it. Just like the group we were with last weekend, this is the time to work. We've got less than 60 days. We've got to do whatever we can. Boy, I don't want socialism, and I know you don't either. So uh, let's keep fighting. Let's do what we can. Let's get this man reelected, and um, we can breathe easy at least for another four years, and, and we'll see where we go from there. But uh, obviously, Mark Osgeist coming up just a little bit, Bobby Henline, and my good friend Richard Barris right after the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms, all manually? Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you could find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at Formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on Formateer.com, or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. If you're a small business, Formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information, or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data reentry for you. Form filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. And here is our newly remodeled hotel business center. Lobby disk drive computer, dot matrix printer, and modem. Modem? That's right. Dial up. Hello. 
Need a new way to work when you're on the road? Regis has over 1,100 professional business lounges, access to meeting rooms with video conference studios, private offices you can book by the hour or day, and a mobile app to find Regis locations. Regis is the new way to work. Call now and get two months free. Your mom's got your back. Your friends have your back. Your dog's definitely got your back. But who's got your back when you need legal help? We do. We're LegalZoom. And over the last 10 years, we've helped millions of people protect their families and run their businesses. We have the right people on hand to answer your questions, backed by a trusted network of attorneys. So visit us today for legal help you can count on. LegalZoom. Legal help is here. This is Don Smith from The Don Smith Show. As a conservative talk show host, there is one undeniable truth. Nobody is more uplifting and inspiring than the Democrats. I've always envied them for this. In fact, one could almost say with the new crop that has just come into Congress, they light up our lives. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. Maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Is it okay to still have children? I just pity you for your role in history right now. At least I'm not trying to cage children in the border and inject them with drugs. Hi, this is Chuck Woolery. You're listening to The Don Smith Show, where it's okay to be a conservative. Hope you're having a great weekend so far. Again, Mark Ozgeist coming up, Bobby Henline, but coming up in just a minute. In fact, right now is my good friend. He is the editor of peoplespunditdaily.com. His name is Richard Barris. Rich, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hello, my friend. How are you doing this week? I am doing absolutely amazing. Yourself? Living the dream. Living the dream. I thought it was your turn. I guess it was my turn. Yeah, I'm doing well, <laughs> my friend. Can't complain. I, I missed last week, so I had to give you this week, you know, you know, just kind of make up for it, you know, <laughs> we had an amazing time. We had an amazing time last weekend, man. We had, uh, 
thousand boats in a boat parade, went to a private island, uh, had music entertainment. We had Charlie Daniels Jr. there, Mark Osgeist. Uh, just incredible. I mean, the, the, you know, we talk, you being a polling guy, we talk a lot about enthusiasm. And Rich, the enthusiasm was through the roof there. And I, I just, uh, it, what, what is that like around the rest of the country? What are you gauging right now the enthusiasm for this, for this upcoming election at? Right. So with the national poll that we conducted for the Epoch Times, uh, there's no doubt, you know, Trump uh, and Pence have a double digit enthusiasm gap. It's it's growing, though. So, uh, you know, I imagine it'll be a little bit more in the next poll we do. That's national for them. Right now, we're in six battleground states in every single one of them. And this is the Rust Belt poll in every single one in Iowa, Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, um, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Trump voters are much more enthusiastic than Biden voters. Now, um, you know, what, how much that will matter on Election Day, Don, it's always uh, difficult to tell. But, you know, enthusiasm edges matter, which is why, you know, this mail-in vote, uh, you know, situation we got going on now. I mean, that's really a, a great way to help Biden and Harris curb that enthusiasm gap because it's big. And also, I mean, those who say – that they're much more – I mean, well, we just call them likely voters. You have that self-reported, Don, but you can also look at someone's voting record, their history. You don't know who they voted for, but you know whether or not they voted. And uh, looking at you know, just the overall likely voter picture, Trump has uh, got an edge with those voters. So it could matter on Election Day, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think what, that's something we're all keeping a really close eye on. So I'm curious to get your updates on that as we move forward. I know you've got some great polling going on right now. Let, let's talk about this. I, we watched what happened with the, the recent Q&A session. So Joe Biden's there. I mean, he's even got the questions, Rich. It appears that he has questions on his teleprompter. Uh, he's, he can't even answer a question from somebody without having it on the teleprompter. And I, I just thought that was incredible. What does that tell you about this candidacy? And, and do you think that has an impact with the average American? Yeah, uh, look, this is the way it was going to be, right? So they really want, um, you know, they, they really want you to sit back and have this kind of quasi-election going on. The media is telling the story, Don, you know? The media is telling the story about uh, Joe Biden. He's not really campaigning. He goes out here and there, but I don't know if you guys watched uh, the difference in Michigan the other day. Uh, you know, there was really a handful of people who showed up to see Joe Biden. That's it. There were more people outside supporting Trump doing a counter kind of like protest. They were trying to like mock him, you know. Um, there were more people outside than there were actually inside the Biden event. And then, of course, Trump held his own rally, which was, you know, big. It was it drew a large crowd. Uh, you know, they're doing something very different here. Uh, you know, and coronavirus, I <laughs> The idea, Don, that uh, we got to keep, you know, that we would have to keep up this, you know, hide and seek kind of thing with a virus. It, it, the, the evidence is overwhelming at this point. The lockdowns were pointless. So the idea we can't return back to somewhat normal campaign season is by design. It isn't by necessity, is my point. So I'm not surprised by anything we see. Of course, you saw with Brett Baer how. Uh, the duck, you know, TJ Duck, duck uh, whatever, <laughs> you know, how he reacted to Brad Bear. I mean, that's a, a normal question. But with the, anything non-Fox, they're just simply not going to get pressed like that. Jake Tapper pressing him on trade and NAFTA and mm -hmm. the SMCA, that's about as far as it's going to go, Don, you know. 
Yep, yep. And I want to play that clip again. I, I played that a little bit earlier, but I want to play that again because I think this is so important, Rich, and you hit on it, was the non-answer. They, they, they can't even answer this question, and this is, I mean, this is liberalism to me. Uh, this is the Brett Baer thing. So here's this clip, and then I want, I want a little more reaction from you on that. Does Joe Biden ever use the teleprompter during local interviews or to answer Q&A with supporters? Brett, we are not going to engage. This is, this is straight from the Trump campaign. Well, yeah, Trump they're using it. And what it does, and what it does, mm-hmm. Brett, is it's trying to distract the American people. I'm just, from, they're from, using from it. They the talk about it every day. Can you what? say yes or no? That's because they talk about it every day, Brett, because they don't have a coherent strategy. Well, you have strategy. an answer. Yes or no, Brett. They talk about it every day because they don't have a coherent argument for why Donald Trump deserves re-election. <laughs> it sounds like they don't have a coherent answer to that question there, Rich. What do you think? I, well, and that's. You know, they they don't expect to have to answer that kind of stuff, Don. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they're going to – and they'll just simply attack uh, somebody like, you know, Brett or anybody who asks a question like that because they have – I think you're right. If you uh, get, you know, out of line and start to ask things like that, you'll just be attacked. You'll just be attacked. And sorry, I guess my cheek hit that button. So that's the game plan. I mean, I've never seen anything like this in my life. It's very strange. Yeah, it's a stall tactic. You know, one of the things I think, too, this is, I think this is really a key part of this whole thing. So there's this whole debate about whether we can vote in person or not, but yet you can protest. And yet, but I, there's a, I think there's a psyche here, and I, would, I wish there was a poll on this, is what the psyche of the, uh, the American people are based on their ideology. And I'm talking about, you were talking about the, you know, uh, Dr. Fauci and all this stuff and everything that's going on with COVID-19. And, but I think if you look at it, what we experienced last week, was conservatives had no problem. There were there were no masks. There were, uh, there were everybody was shaking hands and hugging and um, spending time together. But I think there's a huge difference between the left and the right. And maybe it depends on the politicians you listen to. Where on the left it's all fear and you should stay locked down in your house. And but conservatives are getting out there. We saw it in the football game the other night. We saw fans booing this uh, whatever they were trying to do there with the show of unity and all that kind of stuff. But I think that's because those are conservative fans. Because I think the liberal fans probably weren't at the football game. They were hunkered down at home watching it on TV. Talk a little bit about that and what kind of impact do you think that might have on the actual election itself? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Don, I mean, ultimately, this will, you know, this will be what it always is, you know, a narrative campaign, you know, justifications campaign. People do talk amongst each other. That's a big reason why we wanted to kind of wait until after Labor Day, you know, going from there, because, People start to really pay attention more. Also, like, you know, in social gatherings, on television, they start, things start to sink in a little bit more. In the end, this will be a war on narratives. You know, I, I don't dismiss anything, like, you know, out of hand, but it'll be whether people kind of believe, you know, that this is getting, you know, has been a little bit rocky over the last four years and they want to go backwards you know, or whether or not they want to press forward in the polling. That's pretty much what I'm just saying. You know, there are some people who, who think it's uh, one, they want to return back to the era of politicians. You know, I don't, I don't know a nice way to put it, but that seems to be the direction they're, they're making decision. You know, the, those Biden voters are making a decision based on that kind of stuff. Um, the policing and crime stuff matters too. And when you get in that environment with people and you start to talk about it together, uh, then, then, then it, you know, it res- resonates and it takes its place, you know, on the top whatever list. 
you know, maybe top three, top four, top five. And uh, after a week or so, maybe we'll start to see what solidified, what stuck and what didn't. Yep, exactly. So I want to talk about this. You had a great story on peoplespunditdaily.com, and, and it's just it's important. I want to keep uh, keep up with what's going on with the economy. Obviously, very difficult times. We've got a long ways to go, but we are seeing some positive indicators. Uh, talk a little bit about what you found about the consumer price index. Yeah, so that actually, uh, this would look in a normal uh, month. You would look at something like that, you know, which was a, a four tenths of a percentage point gain. These things don't jump that that much, but it comes after six tenths each for July and June. So it would sound in a normal time, Don. We would say, "Wow, that looks like inflation starting to get away a little bit, right?" But if you look at the actual level of the index, it was because it was it there wasn't really enough inflation. Gas prices were down, petroleum, you know, all of that stuff that makes up huge chunks of the uh, CPI. And then what happened is during the pandemic, we saw, uh, you know, a pretty serious decline, right? We had that uh, seven-tenths of a percentage point drop in April. So what we're just seeing is a rebound, and these are normal levels. That's, that's good. You do need some inflation. People hear that, and they think it's a dirty word. Uh, but we do need levels of healthy, you know, levels of, and, and really uh, sustainable levels of inflation, so this was that was a good report. And we got a 1.3% year over year gain. So that's roughly, you know, one of those sustainable, nice, solid levels. And it means that uh, it kind of corrected itself post pandemic. That's good. And then the jobs report numbers too, the jolts number, that's, uh, it's good, but bad too, Don, because you see people, uh, there's plenty of jobs out there, people are citing and other surveys, other data, finding qualified workers, that's the biggest concern that these uh, employers have. Unfortunately, there was just like, you know, that you see the separations and it's the quits rate doing it. So we talked about this how many times over the last couple of months, that provision in the CARES Act was a bad, it was bad public policy. And now we have some extension of that. Unfortunately, if you give some people the option to collect benefits and sit at home versus going back out during a pandemic, that's, uh, you know, been subject to tons of fear porn they'll take that. And, but the, the good news is, is that the, the, the jobs are there, Don. They're there. They're there to go get. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So we are seeing some positive signs. That's a great thing. One of the things that we talk about a lot, Rich, is the media and, and the role that the media plays in everything that's going on in our country, whether we're talking about the riots, the looting, the, I mean, just everything that's going on that really, in my opinion, is bad. But a clip happened last night that I want to play for you, and this was Bill Maher on his program. And he had a former CNN uh, journalist on there, somebody also who worked for NPR, and he was talking about how maybe this isn't such a good idea, where, where these people want to take private property away, and which, of course, is the foundation of socialism, communism. Uh, you can't own anything. But here's a guy who owns a lot of things, and all of a sudden I think the light's going off for him that mm, maybe this isn't a good thing. Let me play this clip, and then I want your reaction to this. I'm not down with this properties on the table as something we can just take because things are not right. Well, where is this mass destruction of property happening right now? Like, if you look at... You watch the news? If you look at Portland, it's two square blocks. There is a view, and it's in the media. Please, I know you've seen it. <laughs> Don't look at me like I'm making this up. That somehow this is a justifiable approach. Well, is it to, being part of protest? So you're part of this. You believe it. So, so are they just starting to get this, Rich, or what's going on here? 
Yeah, I mean, look, they really thought uh, hubris can be a hell of a thing, right? So if you control everything, all aspects to how information gets to people, uh, if you control how people, uh, you know, are presented with popular culture, it can get a little bit, uh, you know, it can get a little bit too. You can grow overconfidence is what overconfident is how I'm saying this, and then it's not until. They start to see something having an impact. Maybe they overreached, and that is what happened. They just expected that, you know, it would be all right to, for Americans to have to deal with these kinds of disruptions and threats. And then it really hit them. It, it hurt. And that is the only one of the few things that really stuck to them this year. And even in our generic ballot, Don, I mean, we, you know, Democrats were doing very well in the generic ballot two months ago. And this generic ballot is tight now. Uh, that that is what that is really what it's this overall idea that Democrats will not confront people on this. Fr- they know that maybe they're not ready to tie it directly to somebody like Joe Biden, but they know it's not coming from the right. And they heard nothing about that. And that was not even in their message during the convention. So it's very hard to reverse it. Right. So people like Bill Maher now and you have others doing this as well. They're like, you know what, we may here have stepped in it. And, uh, you know, I don't know how long you, you expect people to tolerate this, you know, but look, it's, it's a conversation we're going to have to have soon, Don. These people um, don't care. And I, it's not, you know, people protesting injustice. There's so much more going on with this, Don. That's why it got away so, so quickly on people. Bill Maher's an old school kind of liberal. He was not raised, you know, in the same environment to outright hate America and want to tear everything down. And they let this, they let this wing of them, of their movement get away, you know, and run away. And now they're trying to rein it back in. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. They never think it applies to them. And then they start to realize, Ooh, maybe it would. So, all right. Inside yeah. the numbers, Rich, what, what do you got going on uh, this week on inside the numbers? Right, so we're going to go over. We got a lot of uh, numbers that we're going to actually put out. So that's uh, that's what we were going to do. We had a push to uh, look. Overall theme is in this election, Don, is whether or not this shift that we are seeing right now. There is a political coalition shift going on right now. The winner will be the person who was able to consolidate their shift quicker. All right. So there's definitely voters that used to once upon a time consider themselves Republican or Republican leaning. And then there's that are going towards, you know, Democrats and getting more liberal. They re- they are represented by, a, you know, and they are not that big, by the way. All right. Just to be clear, they are not that big of the electorate. But adding any net gain is is good for a political party. And then you have like, you know, a great example would be like the Iron Range voters in Minnesota. And that is what we're going to continue to talk about, because really, that's the election, Don. That is the election. Uh, you know, Donald Trump's numbers in a place like northern Minnesota right now, northeastern Minnesota, are very good. But he's losing uh, or ground in some areas that aren't. And that will be the story of this election. Who, you know, who put that, you know, basically, who put together that equation better? And who grew in net, the net positive, you know, was bigger for them, was bigger for their side. And I think that the media is missing this. And that's what we're going to talk about this week with actual new, uh, you know, poll numbers that we'll have. Because, Don, there are more working people than there are people with postgraduate degrees. You understand what I'm saying? Like that? Yep. <laughs> and the media yep. constantly focuses like a laser on like the suburban woman, the upper class 
suburban woman with a postgraduate degree. They are a tiny fraction of the not tiny, but a small fraction of the electorate. And and, uh, you know, that they they will you know, they will have to come out disproportionately is my point. And the media is totally missing this picture. They are. Yep, all good stuff. So everybody, you can keep up with Rich at peoplespunditdaily.com. Check out his show, Inside the Numbers. Rich, always great to talk to you. Have a great weekend. We'll do it again next week. You too, you too my friend. All the best. Speak to you next week. Oh, sounds good. All right, Richard Barris, peoplespunditdaily.com. Talked earlier about an event that's going on here uh, today. Actually, it's the kickoff of the Freedom Tour USA for 1776 Forever Free. Uh, Kevin Jackson there, but also Mark McCloskey is at this event as well. And some news that came out here, which I th- is actually great news and um, kind of restores a little bit of my faith that maybe there is some sanity left in the world. Uh, but that's, this is from Fox News. Nine Black Lives Matter protesters who were confronted by an armed St. Louis couple on their lawn have been issued citations for trespassing, officials told Fox News. The June 28 encounter between the demonstrators and Mark and Patricia McCloskey made headlines as the country was gripped by nationwide protests over police brutality. The couple, both personal injury lawyers, were seen on video and in photos pointing a handgun and a rifle as demonstrators moved through their neighborhood. You know, it's what's really incredible about this, again, we talked about the mentality of, of the next generation and some of these that uh, that we're dealing with. And uh, here, here is one of the people, Ohan Ash, who, and this is a tweet she put out uh, here just earlier in this week, just a few days ago, actually. I was just sent a summons to appear in court for trespassing on private property on Portland uh, Place, a.k.a. the street Patricia and Mark McCloskey live on. I had a gun waved in my face by them, but trespassing is what matters. This is a generation that's not learning a cause and effect, that their actions could have consequences, that if you show up on somebody's front lawn uh, and you've got a big giant group and people are watching things on fire on TV by similar groups, you're probably going to have a gun. If, if you're a Second Amendment person, um, yep, I'm out in that front lawn with my gun as well. So uh, cause and effect, kind of chicken and the egg kind of thing. Um, but it's the mentality, folks. This woman it can't believe can't believe that there was a that she ended up with a gun in her face. I should be able to walk on their lawn anytime I want. Uh, the answer to that is a big fat no. You can't. Just saying. So it is time for our weekly special operation speaks vets in the fight sit rep. Brought to us by our friends at Special Operations Speaks and Vets in the Fight. Without further ado, here it is. Hello, all you vets in the fight. This is David Miller with your weekly Special Operations Speaks Vets in the Fight SITREP. It almost seems unreal that the worst attack on American soil is already 19 years behind us. And for all too brief a period of time, we all stood together, unified in purpose, one nation under God. How distant a memory that now is. We dishonor the lives lost with our cities burning, America under vicious attack from within, and a Democrat Communist Party that fans every flame of evil intent. But how have we strayed so far so quickly? The answer is there if we have ears to hear and eyes to see. From Genesis 4.16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. 
we have went out from the presence of God as a nation. We have shaken our puny fists at him and said, you didn't build this. We did. We can say that we allowed this to happen right under our noses, but that doesn't solve the problem, does it? We must grasp the idea that our country has followed Cain into the land of Nod, toward that elusive utopia that communism has promised for a century and a half. It's all the secular humanists have. Their Marxist materialism does not allow the spiritual realm. This is the only way that godless leftists have to achieve immortality. It's a desperate deception, and more and more Americans are falling for it. We are seeing the true legacy of the communist left, and it is what we fight against. We, corporately, are those that have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. And a final note, we are still in the fight. My friends, never surrender. As anyone who has maintained them knows, a website is a valuable yet inconsistent servant. At best of times, it conveys our beliefs and observations to the world. At its worst, it muffles your message as effectively as a Chinese virus mask. Your servant has now become your dependent teenager with an appetite to match. Special Operations Speaks reached that point where our website was not acting on our behalf, having undergone several revisions by competent web developers. But somewhere in the netherworld of coding, the gears were just not meshing. To communicate effectively, you must occupy digital territory in various venues, Facebook and Twitter, iconic among them, until now. The world of social media has reared its collective head and decided to fight on the behalf of the enemies of this republic. The most successful venture in the dealings of man with man ever devised and blessed by nature's God. They retaliate against constitutionalist social media in subtle ways. Twitter has not changed our follower tally on our tweet totals at Spec Ops Speaks for several years. Yet we receive notifications of new followers up to a dozen times per day. Facebook throttles our viewers' reached number from the hundreds of thousands per week down to a few thousand per week. We've gone to Facebook jail a number of times for undefinable breaches of their community standards. Ultimately, a kind of red badge of courage for Facebook veterans. Our new website, designed by Insight Media Group, is a bit more dynamic while being simpler to navigate. We'll archive our Special Operations Speaks and Vets in the Fight Situation reports, our sit reps, on its own page. Adjacent will be sea rations, a mix of breaking news and ideas for an audience hungering for some plain old truth. We'll be adding content all week. Take a look for a couple of weeks. Let us know what you find interesting and what you don't. And finally, a request for a donation to SOS amidst a flood of similar requests from politicians and former presidents and their high-paid marketing firms. None of us has ever drawn a penny from Special Operations Speaks in the past eight-plus years except as reimbursement for official, if infrequent, travel and lodging. And often, we don't request reimbursement, spending our own dollars to keep SOS in the fight. The little pack that could was given a thumbs-up in 2016 by both Donald Trump and Dr. Ben Carson at our first Veteran Patriots Action Conference. See our Donate button near the bottom of each webpage and donate if you can. Thank you. From Dick, Ken, and Dave. Be armed, be trained, and have a plan. This is David Miller for Special Operations Speaks and Vets in a Fight Everywhere. Keep your powder dry and your hatchet scoured. If we take a knee and bow to anyone, let it be to God Almighty and never to man that he may keep and bless our exceptional republic. Deo presso liber. 
In salute to those who've protected us and our families, we'd like to return the favor. Military veterans and their families get 30 days free and 15% off LifeLock identity theft protection. best sleep of your life. Sleep number beds with Sleep IQ technology adjust any way you want it. The bed that moves you, only at a Sleep Number store. Let's say you need to take care of legal matters. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easier, less expensive option than using a traditional lawyer? Well, LegalZoom came up with a better way. We took the best of the old and combined it with modern technology. Together you get quality services on your terms with total customer support. LegalZoom documents have been accepted in all 50 states, and they're backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So go to LegalZoom.com today and see for yourself. It's law, but just makes sense. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easier, less expensive option than a traditional lawyer? At LegalZoom, you get personalized services for your family and your business that's 100% guaranteed. So go to LegalZoom.com today for personalized, affordable legal protection been looking for an online gathering place you know a familiar screen does everything you're used to except give you grief for being a conservative you've got to try the tea party community at tpc you'll know how everything works from the very first minute and you'll probably find a lot of friends who are already there organize communicate share ideas upcoming events pictures and videos the tea party community connects and empowers like-minded politically conservative people like you sign up today at teapartycommunity.com building owners you gotta clean up your act you gotta retrofit you gotta save energy if you don't do it by 2030 there will be serious fines as high as a million dollars or more for the biggest buildings and this mandate is going to guarantee that we reduce emissions. We're going to ban the classic glass and steel skyscrapers. It's enough there that any other person who has um, engaged in those acts um, would certainly uh, have been indicted. to defeat Trump and his racism and his sexism and his homophobia. This is a time for the American people to come together in the fight for economic justice, social justice, racial justice, and environmental justice. And that is, that is what this campaign is about. I think most Americans, not just Democrats, would agree with it. We all, anybody who's got a half a brain, agrees that there is climate change and that human activity has caused it, and we better do something about it or we're going to be cooked, or certainly our children are going to be cooked. (laughs) 
Just because I work at home doesn't mean I want to look like I do. That's why I'm building my corporate image with a Regis virtual office. I simply use one of Regis's 750 high-profile business addresses as my own. My calls are answered by a professional receptionist in my company's name. And when I need to meet, Regis offers conference rooms and furnished offices. With all this and more from just $150 a month, that works for me. So try it today, and you'll even get one month free. Just call 888-OFFICES or visit Regis.com. That's R-E-G-U-S.com. Hi, this is former Congressman, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Alan West. Hi, this is Benny Shapiro, New York Times bestselling author of Bullies. Hi, I'm Charlie Daniels, and I'm on the Don Smith Show, where it is okay. In fact, it's wonderful to be a conservative. Hey, welcome back to the show. Hope you're having a great Saturday so far. Coming up in just a little bit, we have Mark Ozgeist on the program. But right now, it is my pleasure to bring on my next guest, uh, just an amazing guy. His name is Bobby Henline. Uh, four tours in Iraq, and uh, certainly he has a special connection with 9-11, which was a motivation for him to go and do what he did to protect our freedoms, and just a real pleasure to have him on the program. Bobby, welcome to the Don Smith Show. Hey, Don. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for being on. And I think uh, definitely the timing on this is, is perfect. Obviously, 19 years since 9-11, and we, we remembered that yesterday, and uh, always such a difficult time. But it had a real impact on you. And I, and I want to hear your story. What, what was the impact of 9-11 on you personally, and uh, what were your actions? What did, it, what did it motivate you to do? Yeah, you know, I originally joined the Army when I was 17 years old. I was in Desert Storm at 19, and I got out in 92. You know, I was out for 10 years, and I thought about going in back in a couple of times. Uh, but then when 9-11 happened 19 years ago, you know, I'd been out of the Army 10 years. I was 30 years old, but I knew that I still had something for my country. Um, I knew I could take my experiences uh, that I had as a young man during Desert Storm, and I could help the young men and women today as they face another war. Um, I knew I, I could still do that and I could help that way and I could still serve and do do what I was, I guess, was born to do. It's so natural. Um, it's one of those things, you know, we're all meant to kind of do something and that was definitely my calling. So I, I re-enlisted right after 9-11. I was back in basic training October 31st, the next month. Wow. Well, you know, and in four tours in Iraq, and I want to talk about this because obviously there was a profound impact on your life personally on that final tour. Uh, for my listeners who don't know, tell us what happened to you. So during the last tour, we were out on patrol with our Humvees doing some convoys and stuff. And when my vehicle was hit by a roadside bomb, they so the report later said it was three to four. Uh, artillery shells, 155 rounds that were buried underneath the ground. It blew the Humvee up, killing the other four men in the Humvee, leaving me the only survivor. Uh, burnt 38% of my body. My head was burnt to the skull. Uh, because of the burns, I eventually lost my left hand. You know, six months recovery, three years uh, total to really kind of come around to get used to what I look like and, and get used to everything uh, that happened to me and going through survivor's guilt, feeling like a burden to my family, a 48 surgery. Uh, it was a wow. long road recovery for sure. 
I, I want to talk about this because I, this is the coolest thing about your story. I mean, that, that, is, that is incredible, and thank you so much for, for what you did over there and, and allowing us all to be here and enjoy the freedom that we do. But, I, but I've got to talk about this because you took a, an unusual approach to this. I mean, you come back, you went through, you just explained all the things that you went through to get to where you are today. But you're a comedian. You've turned this into... <laughs> A positive. I, I mean, I, it's the ultimate finding a silver lining, I guess. But talk, talk to us about that. What, what was that transition like? And and tell us what you're doing today. Yeah, you know, we all we all we need that use our sense of humor. It truly is healing to help us through situations to go through. No matter what you're going through in life, we all have a hard times that we got to go through. And to be able to laugh at them really kind of helps you get through it all. Because uh, you can't change it. You got to move forward, fight it. And you know, that's what I did. I is in the hospital with all the other veterans and we make jokes about each other and what happened to us. <laughs> and my occupational therapist said, you should do stand up comedy. And I'm like, ah, it works because we all have a dark sense of humor here in the hospital <laughs> as veterans <laughs> wounded and everything. And, you know, the hospital staff, they have to have that kind of sense of humor too, to deal with the jobs that they do. Um, so we all laughed there, but I thought there's no way the general public will be able to laugh at me getting blown up in Iraq. And, so she kept nagging me, and so finally I had to pinky swear with her <laughs> that I would try stand-up comedy so she'll leave me alone. So my my objective was to prove to her that she's wrong. <laughs> uh, so I, I took my jokes to the stage in L.A. to try it for the first time, and uh, no one laughed. <laughs> but it was a relief <laughs> for me to get it out. You know, I kind of got it yeah. out of my system, and it felt good, like speaking, sharing my story, and it was a way to vent. Um, and then, but one of the other comics that was there that day had gave me a compliment on one of my jokes and I said okay well maybe I can do this who knows so I've been trying to prove her wrong for 11 years now <laughs> um, so yeah I did started my comedy career as, as you know being overt over 38% of my body I decided to you know brand myself literally uh, the well done comedian <laughs> so it kind of You're, you know it took certain stages bitten and, and I knew it was another avenue that I could help um, you know once I yeah. kind of got over that hump and used to my new disabling good looks that <laughs> I could help other people who are disfigured you know whether they're born that way whether an accident happens to them uh, you know they, there's, it's hard to go out with your scars like this but if I get on that stage and I can make jokes about it and I can laugh it out about it I could help put other people at ease that have to see people like us, you know, if you don't know, it makes other people uncomfortable. So you kind of put them at ease with the jokes and it lets other people that may be scared to show their scars to go, you know what? My scars show my strength. If he can do it, I can do it. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's not like, look at me, look what I'm doing. But look, if that yeah. crazy guy can do it, then I can do it too. <laughs> and, and it is amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so disarming, you know, when you see you come out on stage and then all of a sudden, bam. And for, for everybody who doesn't know exactly what we're talking about here, the website is welldonecomedian.com. I mean, the, the, it's gold. And, and Bobby, I've watched some of these videos and they're hilarious. So you're very good at this. And I, I just think it's awesome what you do. And I think, yes, I think it gives hope to others as well that you can go through something like that and, and laugh about it. I mean, that, I think that's great medicine. Yeah, one of the best things I've got to do a couple of times, like three times, actually, I've gone to Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan, and I've done comedy for the troops while they're still out there during a deployment. And just to be back out there again and, and knowing what they're going through and putting a smile on their face and, you know, you know, the back of their head, they're worried this could happen to them too, you know. So it's yeah. kind of a relief for them to, to hear me and it helps me definitely get through a lot of stuff knowing that I could help them. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to talk about something here. It, it, today is 912. Now, for obviously 9-11, we all remember that. We remember the, uh, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of what's going on. Uh, this can't happen to us. I mean, those are some of the emotions that, that I had back then. But on 9-12, I think is also a pretty amazing day because I don't think in my lifetime that I've ever seen this country so united, so together on something. It was ideology didn't matter. It it was all about America loving this country and uh, looking out for each other. And I I thought that was a great thing. Now, fast forward to today, and I think I've never seen us this divided again. But I want to talk about this because this was something that happened last week. And it was a story that came out in the Atlantic. Uh, President Trump had supposedly made some disparaging remarks, uh, all unnamed uh, sources. And, and I just hate that stuff in the media because they put it out there as, as a fact, but nobody will stand up and say, I'm the one who said this and here's what I heard. Uh, so to me, it's all exactly. conjecture. And, and I don't believe for a minute that, that he said that. I've been around him in, in settings with our veterans, and I've never seen or heard anything anywhere near that. But I want to talk about this because you got caught up in this. Uh, your picture was being used as kind of the, um, for lack of a better way to put it, the face of, of the, the wounded veteran. And, and so you were like the, uh, I mean, like he was saying it to you. But you've spoke exactly. out against that, and God bless you for that. Tell me about this experience and, and what it's been like for you this last week. Yeah, you know, as I've been telling people, you know, I'm not a political person. I, I don't really get involved into it. Of course, I have my opinions, but I try to stay away from that. I'm just, I want to put smiles on people's face. I want to make the world a better place as much as I can. You know, Roosevelt said, do what you can with what you have, where you're at. And that's how I try to live. I do whatever I can, you know, where I'm at with what I have. And since I have my sense of humor, I want to keep people laughing. I have a big heart. I want to help others. Um, And then, like you said, you you hear about fake news all the time, fake news, fake news. And then here it was, you know, going in my face, uh, with my face. (laughs) You know, I I didn't see it right away. People – sent it to me. Um, you know, I have friends texting me, sending me a message on Facebook. Did you see this? Um, and it was crazy. Is that story came out on September 3rd, which is actually my birthday. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, and then these memes all popped up because of that. And, and so I just, I, you know, first I just like, hey, you know, I went to a rant. It went on TikTok and made a little video uh, and then spread it through all my social media. Like, hey, you need to take this down. Like, here's proof there's fake news. They're using me as a prop. They're taking a wounded veteran and using a prop. You need to take this down. And, and then they did. It took them about 24 hours. They took it down. And I was like, okay, I'll take my video down. You know, you took yours down. You listen. Thank you. Boom. Next day it happens again. Mm-hmm. Same picture yep. with me and a couple other veterans on it. And so I had to do the same rank, get it out there. And it's like, finally, okay, it's off. It's done. The third day, yep. <laughs> now it's oh, just geez. my photo. And it's the president calling me a loser. This is God. I can't, I can't just let this one go. And you know, if they take it down, I got to continue to do. There's, obviously, I need. I can't let this stop just today. So that's when I did that rant, and I said, "Hey, President Trump, let's do lunch." Uh, Fox News. If anybody out there can help me, you know, I asked all my followers, friends, to just spread the word, spread this video to show what's happening. You know, he did not call me a loser. There are no facts on this. No one's coming out and straight saying, "Hey, look, I'm the source." No, if they're not saying that. You know, it's probably made yep. up. Yep. And, you know, you yep. got people he, like Bowden, Bowden saying he, he didn't hear it. You know, Kelly, General Kelly's aide said, no, it didn't happen. So people that don't necessarily like Trump are, are saying it didn't even say it. 
Exactly. Exactly. And, and I saw I, I went to I had an event where the president was there. There was about 20 of us veterans um, who met with him and he couldn't have been more respectful. The guy took notes. He was actively listening. He didn't take charge of the meeting. Uh, he even acknowledged, hey, I'm not a veteran, so I want to hear from you guys. So, yeah, I mean, nothing about that story plays out for me. Let me ask you this, because you just went through this and, and probably the last person that the media should use um, is and I'll use the word propaganda. And I think that's what they were doing. That's yes. my opinion. But but let's talk yes. about this. How did I talked about September 12th and America came together this is 2001. We and we were I don't think ever more united than that. I blame the media for ripping us apart, for constantly doing things like exactly what they did to you here uh, over the past few weeks. How dangerous do you think that is for our country? And how much do you think that impacts our divisiveness today? Oh, it's, it's huge. You know, like you were saying earlier, I always say, you know, don't forget 9-11, but also always remember 9-12 when we all stood together. You know, we need to remember to stand united and, and, and build and not stand divided and destroy. And that's what photos that propaganda is doing. It's dividing us. Like you said earlier, there's people making money off of keeping us divided. And it's just yep. wrong. And people need to see that. You know, the facts are yeah. there to see that. But the facts aren't there that he said that. But they want to believe. Right. You know, it's just like a commercial. If you hear it enough times, you're going to believe it. It's going to become yep. fact because people believe it. Yep. It's really Absolutely. destroying. And, and the, yeah. And the bigger part I've been pushing, too, is. Yeah, at first it's me, I'm mad, I'm angry, take my picture off, it's ridiculous. But, you know, when I stop and think about it, it's, you know, 22 veterans a day are dying yeah. by suicide. And mm-hmm. here it is, I mean, luckily it was me and I was in a good mood. You know, I have my days too that I still, yeah, up and down days. But, you know, it could have been a veteran hurting really bad that saw that. They could have been alone. I mean, especially with the COVID yeah. going on, being isolated. They could have been drinking, not, you know, contemplating suicide yep. at that point, and all of a sudden they see a picture come up that says the president called them a loser. That could have been the, the straw that broke the camel's back, and they could have lost their life that night because yep. of that. The fact yeah. that it has, they don't know these people personally. Uh, they should not be, be putting that stuff out there, and, and we shouldn't share it. And that's why I have so much respect for what you're doing. What they're doing could further depress somebody, and like you said, could push them over the edge. You're doing the, You're making them laugh. You, you could be the reason that they didn't. And I think it's the contrast. There couldn't be any greater. I got to get this in before I let you go. So yeah, there's a group called 1776 Forever Free. They stand for everything you fought for. They, they, it motivated you to, to re-enlist, to go back over and fight again, to do four tours in Iraq. You're going to be a part of an event on the steps of the Capitol in Sacramento next week. And you're going to talk about this freedom and what America means to you. Just a little bit, just talk about that and, and what being involved in something like that means to you. Yeah, it means so much to me to be involved in something like that in my beliefs. Uh, and one, it's I'm originally born and raised in California. It's um, in the Bay wow. Area there, so it's not far from my hometown. Um, so I'm excited to be back in, in Cali to see family. Uh, but freedom, you know, the best way to thank veterans uh, is to live your life to the fullest, to take advantage of that freedom, to exercise your right, but don't abuse it. When you're destroying stuff, you're abusing it. Yep. Um, when you're hurting people because of their beliefs, that's destroying it. You have the freedom to have your religion, your your political belief. You have that freedom, and there's no reason to hurt each other over stuff and destroy things. You know, and I'll be talking about that, the price of freedom, how to take advantage of freedom, and to enjoy your freedom, for sure. Excellent. 
Yeah, and you're you are a welcome addition to that to that event. So thank you so much, Bobby Henline. Where can my listeners? Where can they keep up with you and and follow what you're doing? They can keep up with, like I said, the Well Done Comedian uh, page, which you know is kind of slow this year with COVID. Hopefully, that'll be busier next year. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, so I've been going to all my social medias, putting uh, funny videos out there. If they want to laugh and have a good time, they can pick up all the Fox uh, that, that actually came to my aid and helped me get the word out about this. Um, all those things, interviews, of my social media pages, which is all Bobby Henline. Uh, luckily, I have a rare name, so it's easy to find me on social media. So whichever one you follow, you know, check it out, and maybe I'll put a smile on your face, hopefully. Well, it absolutely will. I can guarantee that, Bobby. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining me today. Thank you for everything you've done for this country and that you continue to do. Appreciate it, Don. Thank you, brother. All right. Have a great weekend. Bobby Henline, everybody. Go to well welldonecomedian.com at Bobby Henline on Twitter. Uh, check him out. He's all over social media. Funny stuff. This guy is hilarious and you definitely want to check him out. But again, the difference, you've got the media who will depress people, who will do any, and it, it, they don't even seem to really care that much about it and who they impact. This is a guy who cares how he impacts the lives of others. And he does it by putting smiles on people's faces, by getting them to laugh, which Laughter is the best medicine is an old saying, but old but true. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. So Bobby Henline, check him out, welldonecomedian.com. If you're in the Sacramento area next Saturday, go to the state capitol. They'll be at the steps. There's a lot of great people involved in that event, and uh, I think you're going to hear a lot of great messages from all of these guys as well. So great to have him on the program, and we will definitely we will definitely talk to Bobby again. What an amazing guy. You know, we talked there, we started the show up, and we were talking about – uh, if you go to BlackLivesMatter.com, you go to donate, that money goes to Act Blue. $2 billion has flowed through this organization. They have literally become the fundraising arm for the Democratic Party. Uh, I'm not making this up. This isn't tinfoil hat stuff. This is all factual data. You can go to Open Secrets yourself. Go to OpenSecrets.com. Just type in Act Blue, and it'll break you. This is where I got all this information. Um, nonpartisan organization. Uh, they just give you the facts. If you give money to somebody, you will be on Open Secrets. Uh, so t- check it out. Uh, it's OpenSecrets.org. But $2 billion funneled to these candidates, $195 million just to Joe Biden himself. But this is a $2 billion operation. I want to add something here because this is really important, and this kind of ties us all together. This is a story uh, that came out on Fox News actually this morning, so I was planning on talking about this anyway, and so thank you, Fox News, for participating and giving me this updated data. Data shows that half of 2019 donations to Act Blue came from untraceable, unemployed donors. A take-back action fund analysis of $400 million in donations to liberal causes raises red flags of possible foreign involvement. Okay, come on, come on. Four, almost four years ago now, and all we've heard about was President Trump won because of foreign interference. Uh, somehow that was his fault, too, because even though at the time he had a game show or a TV show, uh, he somehow was, I guess, running the country. I even saw an article, which was really disgusting yesterday, that tied 9-11 to Donald Trump. How what happened on 9-11 2001 was somehow a reflection of the failures of President Donald Trump. You want to talk about propaganda. I mean, that, that's a whole new level there. But, but anyway, in, in this story, you just got to think back. 
to what everybody was complaining about, the Russian interference, everybody was interfering, foreign money was coming in, all these different things. Less than two months ahead of the presidential election, which with concerns of foreign interference again at the forefront, a conservative political group is raising serious concerns about millions of donations reported by a major Democratic fundraising platform, the major one. A preliminary computer analysis by the Take Back Action Fund, obtained exclusively by Fox News, has found that nearly half of all 2019 donations to Act Blue were made by people claiming to be unemployed. Action Fund President John Pudner questioned the veracity of those donations and called it a loophole that must be closed for the sake of election integrity. After downloading hundreds of millions of dollars in donations to Take Back Action Fund servers, we were shocked to see that almost half of the donations to Act Blue in 2019 claimed to be unemployed individuals, he said. The name of employers must be disclosed when making political donations. So this is why they claim unemployed, whether they really are or not. Probably in most cases, speculation on my part, they are employed. But they don't really want to list who their employer is, so you just have to lie and say you're unemployed. The name of employers, again, must be disclosed when making political donations. But more than 4.7 million donations, 4.7 million donations, not $4.7 million, came from people who claimed they did not have an employer. Those 4.7 million donations totaled $346 million actively raised and sent to liberal causes. So, so when you hear this outrage, and we're going to hear it again, we're going to hear about the Russians interfering, and uh, you know, we're going to hear all that stuff all over again. In fact, if you really think about it, we've never stopped hearing that, right? I, I mean, it's been a constant thing. It's been a constant thing since they thought they were going to win. They had no, there was no possibility in their mind that Hillary wasn't going to win. So we have heard it every single day. But you remember, you remember when this very first came up. You remember what then-President Barack Obama, what he said to the American people. This, this was at the height of it. This was when it was first uh, questions were being raised. And who raised those questions? Then candidate Donald Trump, he was actually the first. So it, I, I don't know. It, it, okay, so maybe this is some of the tinfoil stuff, or just you know speculating here. Is that why it, it was it's because Donald Trump was the first to bring this up that they used this as the beating stick on him, right? For four years, is is this why? Maybe it was. But here was what then President Barack Obama told the American people after this was brought up. And then think about what we've been through here for the last four years. There is no serious person out there who would suggest somehow that you could even, you could even rig America's elections, in part because they're so decentralized and the numbers of votes involved. There's no evidence that that has happened in the past or that there are instances in which that will happen this time. And so uh, I'd advise Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. Have you heard a single person on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, blah, 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 blah. You know that you know the alphabet soup. Have you heard a single person say anything like that, that that, that, that was a joke, that uh, not to be taken seriously? Or, or did you hear them talk about it? All these investigations, we had a full-blown uh, special counsel, the Robert Mueller investigation. Did you hear a single person suggest that uh, Robert Mueller wasn't serious, a serious person? 
or that it was uh, some kind of a joke? Or did you hear them mock the Democrats for holding all of these trials and all these hearings, wasting all of our time? And do you think they'll do it this time after the election? If President Trump wins, we're going to go right back into, uh, I was going to say round two of the uh, Russia investigations, but I think we're in like round 30 right now, something like that. But do you think any one of them are going to say it's not a serious thing? See, I'm guessing that we won't. I'm guessing that they'll think it will be very serious and that we should all take everything very, very seriously because uh, this is serious stuff, you know. But also, did you hear a single one of those reporters or anybody on TV while at any point ever want to know why Barack Obama said that? Why did the former president, he was the current president of the time, why would he say something like that to the American people? And how could he be so wrong? I mean, we had entire investigations, special counsels. We, we had all this stuff going on around Russia, interference. Does anybody on the left even want to know? Why would you say that, Mr. President? What information did you have at that time? Uh, just, I mean, just reverse the roles. And, and we do this a lot, and uh, it is what it is. But reverse the roles. You think they would ask, not ask? President Donald Trump, were he the one who had said that, even if he were out of office now? Do you think they would not find a way to ask him every single day? Do you think that would not be plastered all over social media? What did he mean by that? Why did he say that? What did he know? He would have been the one behind it. But former President Barack Obama, they don't even want to know. They have no intentions of ever asking him that question, and nor would he have any intention of ever answering it. Folks, this is the media today. This is what we deal with, and it's a dark place. Um, it, we talk with Bobby about that, and they, you know, especially as it relates to uh, 22 veterans a day committing suicide. How many are pushed over the edge by stuff like this? The President of the United States thinks I'm a loser. He thinks I'm a... <laughs> Folks, this is not good. This is not going to end well. We're seeing violence in the streets today. We're seeing a lot of things that... I think a lot of us, I remember on 9-11, the first thought, how could this happen in America? I mean, these are things that I mean, you see, in, you see Beirut and you see, I mean, a lot of hot spots around the world and you, you know, you go, okay, yeah, there's a lot of bad stuff going on over there, but this was the United States of America and it happened here. I think the same when I watched the looting and the rioting and buildings on fire and um, so, yeah, I, it's, we're in a bad place right now. We need to get through this. Uh, we need to do it together. So speaking of that, I've got to take a quick commercial break. I will be back with my friend Mark Ozgeist right after this. Have you ever been frustrated when you go to the doctor and are asked to fill out forms over and over again? And you're asked for information that you don't remember, or you have to submit the same form to multiple organizations. And each time you are asked to fill out the same form by hand. What about filling out business or legal forms, all manually? Maybe you've spent a lot of time filling out a form, made sure that everything is correct, and oops, the person who re-entered the data into the computer system made several mistakes. Why couldn't you do it from home in advance, where you can find all of the necessary documents? Now you can at formateer.com. The next time you need a form filled out, the information can be found right at your fingertips. If you're an individual, you may find some forms ready to use on Formateer.com, or we may be able to create a custom form for you at a very low cost or no cost at all. 
If you're a small business, Formateer.com will be happy to create a set of forms or a complete data entry solution for your business needs. If you're a business that provides software, IT solutions, or both to another business, Formateer.com has a great solution for you as well. Our parent company, RenderX, provides software and solutions to a very diversified group, from individuals to Fortune 500 companies. Even the United States government budget is formatted with RenderX software. With Formateer.com, customers can fill out forms from their homes in advance when and where they have all the required information, or they can edit information that has changed if they filled out the form previously. No writing for them, no data reentry for you. Form filling solutions for businesses or individuals at Formateer.com. That's Formateer.com. Is it time to expand and open offices in Sao Paulo and London? A long-term lease will be like a short, tight noose. And furnishing those will be as much fun as a tax audit. You guys always give me such great negative feedback. Fear and doubt holding you back? Now there's a new way to work to minimize risk. With Regis, you get fully equipped offices without a long-term lease, a receptionist, conference rooms, and over 1,100 locations around the world. Regis is the new way to work. Call now and get two months free. Been looking for an online gathering place? You know, a familiar screen does everything you're used to, except give you grief for being a conservative? you got to try the Tea Party community. At TPC, you'll know how everything works from the very first minute, and you'll probably find a lot of friends who are already there. Organize, communicate, share ideas, upcoming events, pictures, and videos. The Tea Party community connects and empowers like-minded, politically conservative people. Like you, sign up today at teapartycommunity.com. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easier, less expensive option than a traditional lawyer? At LegalZoom, you get personalized services for your family and your business that's 100% guaranteed. So go to LegalZoom.com today for personalized, affordable legal protection. Are you among the 64% of Americans who believe our country is going in the wrong direction? If yes then eVoiceAmerica.com is the political take action site we've all been waiting for. And it's really free. eVoice America provides your personal list of elected reps every time you log on. This makes it so easy to email your opinions and eVotes on top issues directly to each of our DC elected representatives. eVoice then publishes our eVote majority percentages on top issues to each member of Congress and the media. Now, for the first time in history, we can know what millions of American citizens are telling Congress. No more gridlock. Join the new American majority using eVoiceAmerica.com, putting Americans in control of Congress. Visit eVoiceAmerica.com today. It's free and easy to use. That's eVoiceAmerica.com. Hey, this is Ted Nugent. I'm on the Don Smith Radio Show, where it's okay to be a real conservative. Back to the show. Hope you're having a great weekend so far. My next guest 
always a pleasure to have to talk with him. Uh, we got to spend the weekend with him last weekend. Mark Osgeist, a member of the Annex security team that fought the Battle of Benghazi. Uh, we will never forget Benghazi, and just an amazing guy. If you've seen 13 Hours, uh, amazing story, and uh, if you haven't seen it, you are wrong. Please see it now. It is my pleasure to bring on my next guest, Mark Osgeist. Hey, Mark, welcome to the Don Smith Show. Hey, Don, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been like <laughs> seven days, maybe. <laughs> it has been indeed. First, okay. Before we get into anything, I, I want to get my my takeaway from last weekend was first of all some amazing people, but second of all the enthusiasm. Uh, we keep hearing from the media that there's a lack of enthusiasm for um, for the whole election process, but especially for President Trump. What was your biggest takeaway from last weekend? Uh, just the excitement and the, I mean. How many people are out there who just love this president, who love what he's doing, who know that he has made such a change in everything? Um, it's just amazing. I mean, we had, I think, somewhere around 400, maybe 500 boats, I'm guessing, from a rough mm-hmm. count out there in, in you know, in Naples. And I'm guessing each boat had to have what? I've had average six or seven people on it at, at a minimum. Yep. Yes, that was amazing. uh, Yeah, amazing. You know, and I mean, I just, yeah, just great red blooded Americans who love this country and who just love what it stands for and what we were founded on. And I think that's what is the biggest difference between the left and the right. I do too. I didn't see a whole lot of Biden uh, uh, signs, did you? (laughs) Um, There was one on that one little uh, um, boat that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, okay, I got I to gotta recap this because we left that morning. We drove a four-and-a-half-hour drive to meet you at the airport. Uh, in that four-and-a-half-hour drive, we had Fox News on the radio, and we heard the story about the Atlantic, and we heard it like 30 times in that four-and-a-half hours. Um, I got more pumped up every single time I heard it. Then we picked you up, and I'm, and I'm just thinking as we're going to pick you up, I'm like, Here's Joe Biden making some comments about, you know, the the military, what it'd be like under him. And I'm thinking, wow, we're picking up a guy who knows exactly what the military would be like under him. We just had Bobby Henline on, and he was the guy who was being used as kind of the face of uh, Trump saying this and making these comments. And he stood up and said, that's propaganda. Don't use my picture. I don't believe he said that. I don't support that. What was your whole takeaway from that experience? You know, well, one is a uh, shout out to Bobby. I mean, he's a friend, a good friend, and a uh, and a and such a patriot and such a, such a great guy. The way he's handled everything and how he has taken a bad situation and turned it into something that is just absolutely terrific for you know, as, and that's what that whole idea is 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 solving problems and dealing with what life gives you, but. And he's spot on. I mean, you know, I've, been, I've got to meet the president. I don't know. It was early, early 16. I think it was actually, I got to meet with the president before, I believe it was before uh, he picked um What's his name for his uh, attorney general who really didn't do nothing. But uh, so it was way back early in the campaign. And I got to sit down with him because I got asked to endorse him. And, um, 
I and I told it was Don Jr. who said uh, who asked me said Hey, would you endorse your endorse my dad? And I said, Well, I don't know your dad other than what I've seen on TV. And you know, the, to be honest, what I saw on TV wasn't something that um, it's he he always acted like the bully on TV, and it was but it was part of the show because when I actually got to meet him, um, it was phenomenal. I mean, this is a guy who just sat down and wanted to talk. He wanted to get to know me. I mean, we sat and talked for probably 15, 20 minutes out in Las Vegas at, at his hotel. And it really, I really got to know who he was in that, even in that little bit of time, you know, I was uh, a law enforcement officer and uh, an investigator. And I was also an interrogator in the Marine Corps. So, you know, I can usually pick up on, on a person pretty quick. And, uh, you know, I think, he is a man's man. He is an American who loves this country. He loves his military. And for the Atlantic to come out and say anything along the lines that he would say anything like that, I mean, if those words were uttered out of his mouth about anything, it wasn't about our veterans, I can tell you that. Those that died or those that are living because, um, yep. like I said, he loves this country. Yeah, and I agree with you totally. When you get a chance to meet him, he is not he was absolutely not what I expected him to be. He was not bombastic. He was not he didn't take over the room. He did he listened to people. He, he was a bunch of veterans and he listened to and he even admitted at first, "Hey, I'm not a veteran, so I want to hear from you guys. You tell me what it's like." And I I was totally blown away by that. It, it uh I guess got me on board as well. So, I got to ask you this. So September 11th, obviously 19 years, we all look at this, and then we all have our experience in it, and it means something to all of us. Um, but I want to talk about you because you had all those experiences that we did with 9-11. Uh, 9-12, I think, was a day of unity as, as united in 2001, I think, in my lifetime as we've ever been as a country. Now, the media ripped that all apart, but uh, that's my opinion. But anyway, I want to talk about 9-12 and 2012 because that was a very unique experience for you you had had um, obviously a very bad night what was 912 uh, what does that mean to mark geist well just to to correct you the night up all night long it was a pretty good night i mean with with the circumstances that we were facing i mean imagine we got six guys on our team and we're facing you know, I don't know the exact number I've heard through people uh, that I worked for from that agency that was somewhere between 150 and 300 people that were attacking us at any one time or throughout the night. So the fact that we were able to survive for up until 5 o'clock in the morning was was tremendous. What we couldn't defend against, though, was indirect fire, which is like mortars and artillery and um, because there was no, I guess, help or no reinforcements or no flyovers or anything like that, they were able to continue that fight throughout the night, take that, there was a lull in the firefight, they took that time to set up mortars to right, and they launched four mortars in about two minutes, and three of them landed within about 15 feet of me, and the first one, uh, is the one that killed Ty. The second one landed real, right, almost right in front of Glenn and took Glenn out. And uh, then the third one landed, 
you know, I, right in that same vicinity, but I was within 15 feet, 17 feet of all three of them. Um, and that is what, you know, really injured me pretty bad. But, you know, getting to – there was nothing that was ever sent. And if we would have had a, the leadership that would have made the decision based on the people on the ground and working to help them than on worrying about the politics and how the optics of something looked, I think it would have been uh, – I don't think Ty and Glenn would have got killed in that mortar attack, and I wouldn't have got injured. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, geez, thank you, Mark, for everything you did, and uh, I just, yeah, I can't, we can't even imagine. I mean, we can't even. You can watch the movie, but you can't put yourself actually in that surrounding and uh, in that moment. I've got to ask you about this. I talked earlier in the show about this is go time. We're in the last two months here before the election. This is time to do everything you can, give everything you've got, and uh, try to make a difference in this uh, election cycle. You are doing that. And one of the things you're doing, and you talked a little bit about this last weekend, was Hunter Nation. And I know you did an event last night. Um, talk a little bit about what you're doing and what is the goal of Hunter Nation. Well, one thing I, gotta, I, I do got to clarify for everybody out there, Okay, Hunter Nation is about getting people registered to vote. It isn't about a candidate. I'm not mm-hmm. here to represent a candidate with Hunter Nation. Hunter Nation is about getting people registered to vote and get them to vote. And, you know, if you want to vote for what – vote your what we want you to do is vote your morals and vote God, family, country. And mm-hmm. if you vote that, then, hey, we're good for – Vote whatever you think you need to do, but get out there and vote because it's something that I've fought for. It's something that Ty and Glenn bled for and so many other Americans. Bobby Henley, you know, in the military, we don't pick a side as a military. Um, we fight for the Constitution, for the guys to our left and right to have the voice that they want to have. And for every American out there that, that is really um, – that wants those, those constitutional rights. That's what we're there for is to defend those. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree more with that, Mark. So I've got to ask you this because we were there. And so, okay, you know, you're a celebrity out there. But the real rock star, let's not kid ourselves, the real rock star of this event was Roan. So for my listeners who don't know who Roan is, tell my listeners about that and tell tell us about your relationship with Roan. Well, Roan is named after Tyrone Woods, who got killed next to me, our team leader. Um, His call sign was Roan. And so to honor him, I, uh, I named my service dog after him. And Roan was given to me by a group called Special Operations Wounded Warriors, who actually got the dog through a company out of Canada that has been breeding dogs and training dogs for 50 years called Baden Canine. And since then, you know, we've developed a relationship with Baden Canine, um, my nonprofit called Shadow Warriors Project. And... We have developed a dog program along with uh, all of our other programs that we do to help contract veterans, uh, private security contractors who are also veterans. The program is for veterans and contractors, um, making sure that those that do need a service dog get a service dog. But then also we're starting up a new one coming uh, first of this year where we're going to be, I guess you can kind of call it canine therapy instead of uh, um, equine therapy. We're going to bring 10 guys in hopefully every month or every time, every chance we get, bring them in, let them work with dogs and, and have that healing properties that come with uh, 
being with the canine um, over a week's period of time, and also just doing a lot of training around uh, other combat veterans. Yeah, and Roan is so cool, so say hi to Roan from us. Uh, we, we had a lot of fun with Roan. And great work you're doing with uh, Shadow Warriors Project. That's awesome. Everybody check that out at shadowwarriorsproject.org. So i, I got to close on this. Um, where is I, The number one question that I get asked when, when I'm having you on the program uh, here this week, here today, and I think it was the number one question you got asked when we were there uh, together last weekend, the movie, 13 Hours, amazing movie. Again, you really can't put yourself in your place, um, but you at least get the idea of what happened, the things that, and how it transpired. People want to know how much of that movie was real life for you. You were there. You lived it. It was your life story as, long as, as well as with all the others who were there. How much of that is real? You know, I would say 80% of it, you know, um, it's not a documentary, so it's not going to be a hundred percent. Because part of the, you know, part of the issues are making sure that it's entertaining. And you know, some a couple of the different things that were the two big things that I tell everybody that was different was in reality. And if you've only seen the movie, you see that we're all fighting from basically two rooftops. So all six or seven of us. When Glenn's there, it's seven. Up until then, there's six of us, and we're all fighting from two rooftops. When in reality, we were fighting from four different rooftops, and we also had a couple other fighting positions that me and Tig had moved to um, in and out throughout the night at the annex. And the reason for that, when we talked to Michael Bay about it, was he wanted to show the teamwork and how we as a team, that camaraderie, that be there for your buddy, always have each other six never leave anybody behind mentality that we have in the military and in the contracting world, what that's about. And, and you can't do that if you have everybody spread out too much. Yeah, and then absolutely. the other one was the bus bomb. The bus bomb was one of those things that uh, it didn't happen, but the reason Michael Bay explained it to us was he's building up anticipation for each, for everyone that's viewing it to what's coming next. And if, the second firefight at the annex would have finished just like the first one. It would have kind of been, there wouldn't have been that anticipation of what the heck's next. And when you see him pull out that bomb in the movie and you're sitting there thinking as the viewer, you know, Holy crud, what the heck's coming next? And they, you know, and we shoot it and it blows up in your mind. You're like, well, you know, this ain't the finish what's coming next. And it kind of, as Michael said, keeps your butt in the seat. And ultimately, mm-hmm. that's what he wants to do is get you to watch the whole movie. Right, because there wasn't enough action outside of that. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> and, and, and it's true, though. I mean, all that action that you saw was there throughout the night. I mean, you know, that it, yep. it, it played it so well going through the highs and lows of that night. I mean, when – you're in the firefight. And then after that, when you're kind of, your adrenaline slows down and you're talking with the guy to your left or your right. And, you know, me and me and Ty talking about family, talking about our kids, talking about how great the guys that we fought with. I mean, I don't know that there could have been a better six guys put together for that purpose that night. I mean, you know, and, and as I yeah. told you over the weekend, I mean, there's always that seventh man that was on our team that night and that was the Lord above. And, yep. you know, we couldn't have, we couldn't have accomplished what we did if it wasn't for him and his grace and love for us. 
Yeah, and I thank God, I thank God that they had that team together, you included in that, and I think that was yeah somebody was somebody was intervening there. Mark, for my three listeners who uh, don't follow you already, I think there can only be three. Where is the best place for them to keep up with you? Um, you can either get me on Instagram, and it's I think it's Mark Ozgeist. It's bad that I don't know that off the top of my head, but, <laughs> and then uh, there's my Twitter account. If you look up Mark Geis or Mark Geis on Twitter, you're going to find me there as well. Well, thank you so much for everything you did, including your service in the Marines, uh, what you did uh, as security annex force. I mean, just um, an amazing life so far. You've got so much more to give and real honor to have you on the program and an even bigger honor to spend last weekend with you. Mark Geis, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, thanks, Don, Brenda. You guys were great. Had a great time last weekend. And a shout-out to all of everybody that was down in Naples, especially Kim and Don, who kind of let us crash at their pad. And uh, just everything that everybody did down there was terrific. And I just want to give a shout-out to them as well. God bless you all. Yeah, it was a shame that we had to slum it like that, right? (laughs) I know it. I know it. I know it. It was uh, (laughs) Beautiful house right on the water with the dolphins swimming about 15 feet from you. It, it was amazing. You have a great weekend, my friend, and we'll do this again sometime. Real soon. Thanks, Don. Take care. All right. Mark Osgeis. Uh, again, I mean, we all have our stories uh, on 9-11 and, again, 9-12 even, where, where we talk about uh, unity here in America in 2001. But uh, Mark obviously has a, an extra chapter to that, and we've all seen it. If you have not seen 13 Hours, you must see that. It's just uh, just amazing. So sad that um, that we just let them go through this without help. And I think we've discussed that over the years, right? I mean, we have several people on here. Uh, you talked, uh, Mark talked about Roan. Uh, his dog named after Tyrone Woods. Uh, we've had Charles on the program. It's heartbreaking to talk to him, uh, obviously per- very personal for him as well. So uh, great to talk to one of the survivors and hear a little bit more about how great people like Tyrone Woods were, uh, just all, all of those, all, all, everyone who we've lost that night and uh, such a sad, tragic chapter in American history. And uh, it's not America. I mean, that, that, that was not America. That's not what, what we are, with the exception of. So there, there's a not America part where we didn't provide the support. But then there is the America part where people like Mark and Tyrone Woods and uh, where, where they sacrificed. I mean, the ultimate sacrifice for some of them, um, but they all sacrificed. They all fought together. They all, they had a goal, a common goal. And that is America. So yeah, such a um, dichotomy of stories there and just had a great time with Mark and he is absolutely right uh, Kim and Don thank you so much all the people we met Jerry Cindy uh, Rita it just, just so many great people had such an amazing time and uh, just to be around Patriots the one thing I said earlier is one thing we didn't have to worry about at that event was uh, there was going to be no Antifa showing up or there were going to be no protests there was nobody looted anything uh, there was no violence there was no it was just a good time by good uh, uh, patriotic Americans. And uh, Mark was a big hit there. Like I said, the real rock star, though, was Rowan. So that was pretty cool as well. You know, great program here today. And again, apologize for being off last week, but I hopefully um, you understand why it was so important to be at this event, to be part of it, uh, actually help with my public relations business to kind of put some of the aspects of it together. And such an honor. I don't always get to participate uh, in things that I help put together. There's a rally going on here right now as we're talking 
uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, and, and I can't be there. Um, but it was great. I knew I had to be at this one, right? This was something that it was like, I got to be a part of this. I, I just have to, something told me you've got to go to this. Uh, so you hate to sacrifice a show. And I know I let people down by doing that, but something that I just really felt the need to be there and uh, meet some of these great people. We had Charlie Daniels Jr. There, uh, some amazing, you know, that was the bummer of it. So we're kicking off this fundraiser um, for the journey home project, which was started by Charlie Daniels, uh, just as Charlie Daniels, he was about three minutes into his speech and, you could have heard a pin drop. I mean, there's so much love for his dad, everything he stood for. I mean, the guy just personified America. He personified patriotism. He loved this country, meant so much to so many. And I'm not even talking about the music. Obviously, the music is huge. Uh, he's a, a Hall of Famer, um, but just his love for this country. And it takes courage today. In today's environment, in these politically charged times, it takes a lot of courage to stand up and say, here's what I believe, and if you don't like it, sorry, don't mean to offend you, but this is what I believe. And that was Charlie Daniels to me. Um, but yeah, I had to, got to spend some time with Charlie Jr., hear some of the stories of growing up in that house and um, having, having Charlie Daniels as a mentor, father, uh, just incredible, incredible time, and, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. So great to have Mark Osgeist on the program. Bobby Henline, amazing story. You think about it. I'm, I'm just going to highlight this before we go. The contrast. You've got the media trying to rip people apart, trying to um, doom and gloom, chicken little everything, and, it, and then you talk to somebody. You talk to somebody like Bobby who has gone through some horrific things, I mean, this guy's life is, is incredible, and he laughs. He, may, he, he jokes about it. He brings humor to it. He, uh, just, it's so incredible, the, the difference between the two things that are taking place in our country. Those are the healing things. Bobby Henline is a healer. He helps other people heal, um, and it helps him, I believe, heal. I, you know, I, that's what I got from him out of the interview. But you look at what the media does to try to keep us ripped apart and uh, – there was an interview, Jake Tapper sitting down with the, with uh, Joe Biden and kind of forced Joe Biden to give credit for the USMCA, uh, which is better than NAFTA. Um, I think it's hard to argue that. It's hard to argue that it isn't. When I first interviewed then-candidate Donald Trump, that was one of the things he talked about in the interview. It was, what are you going to do if you, if you are to become president? He had just taken the lead in the Republican primary. Even the media then was saying it's not going to last. He's going to drop out. Uh, he won't make it. But he did. He never looked back. The day he took the lead, he never was not in the lead. Then, obviously, he's the president of the United States. But he talked about all those things that he would do. That was one of them. So this was a guy that went into this job with an actual plan. It wasn't just uh, platitudes, bumper stickers, um, just, well, I'll, I'll do this and I'll build back better. What does that mean? Give me some specifics. In this case, then-candidate Trump actually had specifics. So he went in with a plan, and, and he's accomplished all those things. Every single thing he told me on that interview, that was November of uh, 2015, every single thing he told me that he was going to do, he has done. Have we ever, anybody, I don't care, left, right, I don't care what your ideology is, have you ever seen a president accomplish everything he said he was going to accomplish before he got in. I haven't. Um, it's what impresses me the most. And 
uh, you know, I thought it was great. So I want to thank again Mark Osgeist, Bobby Henline, and Mr. Richard Bears from peoplespunditdaily.com. More importantly, I want to thank each and every one of you. I hope you have an amazing weekend, and I hope you're back here next Saturday at noon Eastern time for a brand new Don Smith show. Have a great weekend, everybody. Fight the good fight, everybody.